This is Library Nerds with Words, the podcast that gives you the word on all the cool, nerdy happenings at Peter White Public Library and the library universe beyond. From books and concerts to search engines and story times, the library nerds are in and ready to show you that being a nerd can be cool. Get ready, get set, get nerdy. Welcome back to Library Nerds with Words, the podcast that gives you the word on all the cool happenings at Peter White Public Library and the Library Universe Beyond from the people who know it best, library nerds. I'm Marty Ackett's Adult Programming Coordinator for Peter White, and joining me today again in the guest nerd chair is nerd all-star Lilith Moraro from the reference desk here at Peter White Public Library. Welcome back to the podcast, Lilith. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to be visiting with you again, Lilith. You know, I know the reference desk is always busy helping the visitors and patrons of Peter White find information or resources that they need. And when you show up for a shift, you're never really sure what kinds of questions you're going to encounter about passports, genealogy, printing, copying, or programming. I'm probably not naming everything that you get asked. Um, people just uh, don't believe it, but there's really not a dull moment at the reference desk, I would bet. Um, before we get into the word, though, that you want to share with us today, you know what we have to do. We have to play another round of Word on the Nerd, the game where I ask you three library nerd questions about yourself. So, Lilith, are you ready to play Word on the Nerd? Lilith, this is going to be a little game of Would You Rather. I'm going to ask you three would-you-rather questions, and you have to truthfully answer them. So here we go. This is your first question. Would you rather have bookshelves that randomly resort all of your books in a different order every night, or be forced to dog-ear the page every time you stop reading a book? Um. Well, the way I kind of keep my notes and other supplies uh the randomly resorting bookshelf wouldn't be too difficult for me to handle it wouldn't be out of the ordinary yeah when i'm looking for something okay okay uh, so you don't have you don't have like they have to be in a certain spot or no i kind of organize it by feel okay all <laughs> right well that that totally makes sense it's like i know my bookshelves at home i got poetry I've got fiction and nonfiction, but I don't have those books in any order. I just kind of know where they are. Yeah. So um, do you dog ear pages when you're reading? No. no. Um, I'll grab, if I don't have an actual bookmark, I'll grab like a receipt or scrap okay. of paper or something. Yeah. I, I know I'm, I, it, dog earing doesn't bother me too much, except for my poetry books. I don't like people bending the pages, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I'm usually not that like picky about stuff like that, but I, you know, if I were to choose, it would have to be the randomly resorting. It's just, it just wouldn't bother me that much. Of course, you know, you say that now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you go looking for a book and you think you know where it is and you just can't find it. That's me with every object in my life <laughs> okay all right well uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry to open up that wound oh my gosh okay I lost my keys in my car the other night oh 
that is the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> you know, that is absolutely the worst. Then you're like sitting there going, how do I get into it? How did you get into your car? Well, luckily it happened after I already drove home. Uh-huh. But I did have to dig around to find my spare. I didn't know where okay. that was off the top of my head. Okay. All right. So at least you had a spare and you weren't like um, 20 miles away from your house, which would have been awful. So, all right. All right. Okay. So we're going to move on here. Um, these questions get a little harder to answer as we go along. So here is your second question. Would you drink a cup of sour milk or eat a wedge of spoiled cheese? Uh, the cheese. Really? Usually. Because then you can just wash it down. I feel like the milk would stick around oh, longer. Yeah. yeah. And also make you sick faster and more violently yeah and you know sometimes i mean some cheese when you keep i mean it's supposed to be aged yeah so i mean i don't know what's the difference between spoiled cheese and aged cheese well cheese that gets old enough you'll see mold on it that's true but um, i mean but also that's part of the process yeah, the blue cheese. cheese though yeah. isn't it so i mean I yeah i you know if i were to choose between those two i would probably go with the cheese too um, yeah, because the the idea of drinking like a whole cup of spoiled milk. <laughs> a cup's a lot. It, it is a lot. A wedge could be very small. A wedge could be very small. You know, now if I said a block of spoiled cheese. Yeah, then I'd do the milk because it would take a while to get through that the block. block. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So we're both in agreement there. Yeah. All right. So last question, Lilith. Would you rather have to talk like Yoda all the time or talk like Jar Jar Binks all the time? Yoda, I don't even know how that's a question. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, Jar Jar Binks is, um, I don't even understand his existence in that whole uh, whole galaxy or that whole universe. Um, I mean, kids like him. It, yeah. I was like five or something when that movie came out did you like him when you were five i thought he was funny yeah he was funny i, I mean grew him pretty fast. well I yeah i think everybody outgrew him really fast but you know at least yoda is um has some intelligence and wisdom yeah so yeah okay so i i would go with yoda too i i frankly i hate jar jar binks yeah. so okay <laughs> all right well that is the end of this game of word on the nerd this time with Lilith Moraro from the Reference Desk at Peter White Public Library. Now, Lilith, it's time to find out what's on your mind for this episode, what subject you'd like to share with listeners. So why don't you give us... The Word. Lilith, what would you like to talk about today? Um, I've just been kind of thinking lately about the sort of divide there is between like so-called genre fiction mm -hmm. and literary fiction and like yeah it it tends to be pretty one-sided in my experience at least academically that like literary fiction is somehow better better, better than the genre fiction yeah more realistic yeah and i've been thinking about like why is realism even uh, a measure for judging a story. It's, that That is true. I mean, like, okay, like, I'm thinking of something like Slaughterhouse-Five, which I don't know if you've read it, but it's sort of science fiction, and mm -hmm. people really look down 
on Kurt Vonnegut for a oh, very yeah. long time because he was writing science fiction and they and nobody took him seriously. Yeah, I haven't read much Vonnegut, but the bits that I have, he's a brilliant writer. Yeah, yeah. And but but I mean, literally, he struggled for years and years and years because yeah. nobody took him seriously because he was writing these weird science fiction, you know, I'm unstuck in time kinds of things. Yeah. Um, um, do you have a like a particular writer that you think is like writes in a genre that you think deserves to be considered more seriously or? Um. I mean, I read a lot of mm -hmm. science fiction and fantasy yeah. in particular, but I think like horror deserves better and oh, yeah. all these others. I just think back to, um, like I would have professors in college, writing professors, who would put a ban on genre fiction in their mm -hmm. class. Like you weren't allowed to write that kind yeah. of stuff. You had to write literary fiction because somehow that would get you to focus more on like the character or the plot or what it may be which is a load of crap <laughs> i mean because truly i mean the best the best fiction whether you're talking genre fiction or literary fiction it really is all about you know investing in the character and caring about the character and how do you do that well you make the characters complex and and um interesting yeah. no matter what um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right with you because I mean, I, I came out of a graduate level writing programs and stuff like that. And, um, there is a kind of academic snobbery. It's an elitism. Right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely an elitism. And, um, you know, and I, there are so many great writers out there who are working in science fiction and fantasy and, and, uh, horror and they're tackling really important subjects too yeah that's one of my favorite things and why i write tend to write in fantasy and science fiction is because it lets you like really dig into social issues and mm -hmm. personal issues um in a way that's not as immediate or direct right and like even from the perspective of a writer that's sometimes easier mm -hmm. than writing about what you actually went through. I mean, directly, directly, you know, and, and there's, I think, um, by going like the route of like Vonnegut did or other writers do of science fiction fantasy or something like that, you know, in tackling important issues. But I think that there's possibly a little more subtlety in doing it that way because you're not hitting someone over the head with it. Right. You know, so, I mean, that's, that's, um, and I, and, you know, there's nothing worse for me than picking up a book, a quote unquote serious book, whatever, whatever the book is, I'm not going to name authors because I'm not going to get myself in trouble, but there's nothing worse than picking up a book and just like getting hit over the head with this message for 250 or 300 pages. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, whereas you can get the same, I, I think that you could some writers could get the same kind of mileage out of a subject and make it much more entertaining for the reader. Right. And it can apply, like, if you abstract it in that way, mm -hmm. it can apply to a lot more experiences. Like, mm -hmm. um, one thing Tolkien wrote about is the difference between allegory and applicability. Right. 
Um, because when the Lord of the Rings came out, people said it was an allegory for World War II. Right. And the second edition of The Fellowship actually starts out with a whole like preface where he's debunking all of that. Mm-hmm. Saying that's not what I did. But at the same time, his writing is definitely informed by his experiences in World War One, mm-hmm. his experiences in an industrialized mm-hmm. um, industrialized Great Britain, um, as well as his love of languages and all of that stuff. And the result is something that I think a lot more people can relate to than as if he had written a Frodo as just like um, someone from the English countryside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, you don't, you don't. Yeah, you know, Tolkien is brilliant. I mean, obviously, he's brilliant, and the fact that he could take his personal experiences like that and totally transform them into something that um, has that timelessness. Whereas, you know, instead of being, instead of what he's written being categorized as oh, a, a war novel or a World War One novel or something like that, which you know he did is not was not his intention. I mean, what he did was he created this kind of timeless universe all these characters that people really identify with and also dealing with the issues that were on his mind um in the way that he wanted to deal with them right and like i of course didn't know the man Mm -hmm. um but from what i've seen he's never really written extensively directly about his experiences and we have letters and things from the time but he never wrote a memoir, mm-hmm. so it's entirely possible that this was an easier way for him to process right, all right. of that than writing a modern war story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, and there, I think that well, for instance, I mean, you have Colson Whitehead who wrote the Underground Railroad, which really, when you get down to it, I mean, he's writing about racism, he's writing about slavery, and everything. But there's also this really great kind of fantastic element of the Underground Railroad actually being an Underground Railroad, which makes that whole book so much more interesting. Not that it wouldn't have been interesting if he had just tackled it head on, but... But it's fun to read about fantastical things, too. Right, right. It's like, and, you, you know, I remember reading that book, and when it got to that point where the characters got on that railroad, I was like... Okay, this is really brilliant, and suddenly it suddenly it made the book so much better. You know, um, I I just I just love that book, and I love fantasy novels and science fiction novels and horror novels that sort of deal with like those kinds of really serious issues. Um, and um, and I agree with you. You know, um, I I faced the same kind of thing when I was an undergraduate in creative writing and in graduate level creative writing classes. There. The, you know, there's this whole sort of wanting to squash genre writing like that. And um, I maybe I'm hoping that it's changing a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, it's been a few years. So it, it's been a, it's been a few. Yeah, it's been a few years. But, um, you know, but I mean, it's sort of I mean, I come in from a poetry background, too. And there is this. um very strong element in in creative writing classes and that where rhyming poetry is just you know like looked down upon as somehow less yeah it's it's old it's too old it's it's, archaic exactly and and you know and some of the some of the greatest poets that i know 
really worked in those kinds of uh, very strict forms with rhyme and meter and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, I could, you both, you and I could both talk about academic. I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I better watch myself because I don't know how many academics are listening to me here and <laughs> listening to us here. But, um, you know, I, I think that there is, there is that kind of looking down your nose at things. Mm -hmm. um, and um, unfortunately, you see it, you, you see it even in movies as well, where the movies that are taken seriously and are given like awards and stuff. Oh, yeah. Are not the ones that that have like superheroes or something like that. Yeah. And until recently, you couldn't even get those sort of genre films made with any kind of strong budget. Like right. even the original Star Wars, like this is pretty well known what a tight budget they were on and how much they had to fight past. And they became some of the most popular films in history in history and made like how i don't even know how many billions of dollars that whole yeah. universe has made now yeah but you know it's still it's i you know that whole that whole feeling like um that somehow because there's robots or something in it that or superheroes someone mm -hmm. flying around that it's less serious and that's not that's that's totally not true i mean or even within those bounds like okay <clears throat> we accept that there are superheroes or robots but they have to be realistic superheroes oh, yeah. Yeah. or robots mm -hmm. and those are considered the more serious films you see that with like the past five or so batman films yeah you know yep yeah really I, ever since the nolan the the, the, the dark knight trilogy which yeah. i loved i really loved that trilogy but um yeah it, it really was um um it, it kind of steered away as as much as it could from those kind of fantastic things yeah and and made made it more about the psychology and everything yeah like and i genuinely unironically think adam west was the best mm. batman on screen mm. i thought that show captured the spirit of the batman comics yeah the actual comics yeah at least the old ones yeah uh, you know better I, than this gritty stuff yeah um i will say i'm a michael keaton fan um, but, but, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up on, uh, uh, the Adam West ones. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I do agree with you as uh, if you're going to capture the comic book spirit and that's what you're looking for, you know, you go with Adam West. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, well, okay. We could, we could go on about this for a long time, Lilith, but. We need to move on. So that's the word from Lilith Moraro, reference librarian here at Peter White Public Library. But before I can let you get out of the guest nerd chair, Lilith, you have to do one more thing. We can't let a library nerd leave without finding out what they've been reading that's good. So Lilith, can you tell us what book you think listeners should run out and pick up? Off the Shelf. Lilith, what have you been reading recently? So the last book I finished, uh, speaking of genre fiction, mm -hmm. um, it falls into what's known as space opera. Okay. It's the more modern one, um, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Okay. Um, and it has sort of all the elements you would expect. There's a spaceship. They, in particular, um, their job is to basically punch holes in space mm. to make like hyperspace tunnels for so travel. like wormholes and yeah. stuff like that yeah um 
and they have to go on this long, long trip all the way to towards the center of the galaxy, mm-hmm. punch a hole, and then come back is kind of how it works. Okay. Um, but it's really focused on the people on the ship. It's really about like the interpersonal drama and there's romance and backstory and um, sort of all these events going on around them that then affect them. Um, Mm. And it's just got really like relatable characters. And like, even if you don't look at every character and be like, Oh, that's me. You know, somebody like that. Right. Right. Um, So, so is this really enjoyable read? Is it, is it going to be like a series or is it like a standalone novel? Do you know? Um, It's, Part of a series set in the same world, but I'm reading the second one right now, mm-hmm. and um, that one's focused on like a couple people who were side characters in the first one. Oh, cool. So okay, I don't feel like I'm gonna see any of the main cast from the first one. So, oh, so you so could far. probably pick up one of the books, enjoy it without sure, having yeah. to worry about whether you whether you've read the first one in order to enjoy the second one. The second one will give you some pretty heavy spoilers for the first one. Right, right. For the ending, mm-hmm. but um they are sort of their own standalones it cool. looks like. Yeah, I and um I and I love people I love writers that sort of create a universe where you get the same characters but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to have read book number one to understand book number two or something it would probably enhance your under your appreciation of it but still stand alone then right yeah that's very much what it is okay and give me the name and title one more time the long way to a small angry planet Mm -hmm. by becky chambers all right so there you go um uh we have um Got that uh, recommendation from Lilith Moraro of a book that you should pick up off the shelf. And we have come to the end of this episode of Library Nerds with Words. I want to thank library nerd extraordinaire Lilith Moraro from Peter White Public Library's Reference Desk for stopping by the podcast again. Come back next week when we will welcome back to the podcast Andrea Ingmeyer, director of Peter White Public Library. Until that time, everyone, stay nerdy. Thank you for listening to Library Nerds with Words, Peter White Public Library's weekly podcast, giving you the word on what's cool at the library. The theme for the podcast is Happy Clappy by John Bartman, used courtesy of Pixabay. This episode was written and produced by Martin Ackett's and sponsored by Peter White Public Library. Until next week, pick up a good book, listen to some good music, watch a good movie, attend a great event, and remember, library nerds are the coolest people around.